0: Welcome to the Freedom Hut. This is the Best of Buck daily podcast. The top stories of the day from the Buck Sexton Show. For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com and remember to subscribe to the podcast.
1: Welcome, friends, to the Buck Sexton Show. An honor, as always, to have you here with me. Now, let's get right to it. Looks, as of today, like Trump has the votes in the Senate to get a Supreme Court nominee confirmed and through to the seat recently left vacant by Ruth Bader Ginsburg's departure. So now we have to figure out what are the Democrats planning next. Because right now I, I understand the the inclination would be for all of us to say, okay, the Republicans have every right to do this. As much as Democrats whine about it, doesn't matter. They have a constitutional not not only uh, clear designation for this. They have an obligation. I think that's a better way of putting it. Here is the vice president saying just that play 14.
2: President Trump believes that he has an obligation uh, under the Constitution of the United States to put forward a nominee for the Supreme Court. There have been 29 times that there have been vacancies since George Washington through Barack Obama. In all 29 cases, uh, the president has made a nomination to the Supreme Court during an election year. And President Trump believes that it's his responsibility and his duty to do that again. Uh, The Senate's role is to advise and consent. uh, And uh, uh, we're working already with the Republican leadership in the Senate to make arrangements for the process to move forward. But we believe, uh, judging from uh, history, I believe uh, Justice Ginsburg uh, was uh, confirmed within 43 days of her
1: nominations. Um, uh, Justice Sandra Day O'Connor in less time than that. So it's been done in less time. It's been done many times under the same circumstances. And there's no rule. There's no law. There's nothing to prevent it. There's not even a precedent to prevent it. So the libs are flailing right now. They're trying to come up with some argument that will turn the tide in favor for them. And they're not succeeding because we do have the ability to go back and look at what's happened in the past. And we also understand that there is the obligation of politics here, too. Why do we vote for the president as Republicans? Why do we vote for these various senators if when they finally have the opportunity to do What they have been promising to do, they don't do it. How could we think they have the courage of their convictions if they refuse to take the opportunities that come to them to fulfill promises? I mean, it would be a choice to not fulfill this promise to Republican voters. Why would they do that? Out of some misplaced sense of fair play? Got to tell you, I had been thinking that Mitt Romney would find the first opportunity possible to try and back out of this just because of spite against Trump. But it seems perhaps Mitt Romney recognizes that there's no real argument here. There's no real argument against what the president's trying to do. There's the only pseudo arguments. Bad faith arguments. I saw a piece by uh, never Trumpers, uh, David French and Jonah Goldberg, making the rounds about how the, what's best for our republic would be to cave to Democrat demands here under the, the promise that they then won't pack the Supreme Court as if that's a concession to us. First of all, if anyone believes that Democrats would keep a promise not to pack the Supreme Court based upon this nomination battle, they probably also believe that Jussie Smollett was attacked by two MAGA hat wearers on uh, in Chicago at one o'clock in the morning yelling, this is MAGA country. If you believe one, you probably believe the other, which is not a good indication of one's intelligence. Democrats will break their word on this. Democrats were all on the opposing side of the table in twenty sixteen. They did not. Or twenty fifteen. Uh, no, sorry. Twenty sixteen. They did not care. They simply it, it, it doesn't matter to them that they're all on the record telling us that we of, of course the president has this power in election. Year. Of course, he should be able to. That was when they thought they could strong arm us into going with Merrick Garland. That was when they believed if they had the media and enough enough whiny law professors and former prosecutors and other people that we're supposed to revere, and I don't know why, but if we had enough of that, they believed that we would be able to, uh, we, we would cave and they'd get what they want. But it didn't happen. It didn't happen. And Mitch McConnell deserves a lot of credit because, They tried the pressure campaign then they tried all the stuff that they're making uh, in terms of arguments now. Plus, now you got to add to it. They're camping outside of people's homes. No sleep for Lindsey Graham. No sleep for uh, Mitch McConnell uh, looking for weak links in this chain. I thought Romney would be a weak link so far. We'll see. I'm not I'm not giving Romney an attaboy until we see whether or not he actually does his duty here to the voters of Utah. Right. KNRS, a great station out in Salt Lake City, having uh, added us to their lineup. I, I know the folks in Utah, not all of them love Trump. A lot of them do. Not all of them love Trump, but they do expect somebody who is a Republican senator from the great state of Utah to support this most important of tasks for conservatism, for constitutionalism, and the Republican Party getting us a judge that will truly. Tip the balance away from what it has been for decades. You see, Democrats have gotten a little too a little too uh, smug and, and emotionally and intellectually complacent when it comes to the court. They're so used to at this point just being able to count on the court coming up with nonsense with legislation by fiat of a bunch of lawyers who have been appointed as judges. And Ginsburg was one of the best examples of that. I mean, Ginsburg was using the Supreme Court as a super legislature, which is not what it is supposed to be. But it was always the stopgap against legislation. It was a stopgap against representative form of the representative form of government that we have, our republic, that even if the people wanted wanted something, voted for someone and that leader then tried to execute on the promise, the lib Supreme Court would step in and say, nope. We see a different thing here. We see a, a right that no one else had been able to figure out in 200 years. We see uh, an interpretation of this language that's not English, but who cares? We make it up as we go along. That's what they've been doing. In fact, Mitt Romney is correct when he, he points out. At, look, Mitt, Mitt had his good moments back in the day. He crushed Obama in that first presidential debate. Of course, Obama went on to win. But it was an embarrassing performance for Barack Obama. Everybody knew it. And uh, Mitt Romney does have his capabilities. I wish he hadn't marched with BLM. That was a lame, cowardly move, but he did. But here he is, at least understanding what's going on with liberals and the court and their perception that what has been will always be. Mm-mm. Not the case. Play 17.
2: Well, I think it's straightforward in terms of the qualifications you look for, which is someone who is an expert of the law, someone who has a record of fairness and judgment that you think is consistent with the law. Uh, I prefer choosing those folks who are, if you will, strict constructionists, meaning that they look at the law itself and the Constitution as opposed to sort of looking into the sky and pulling out ideas that they think may be more appropriate than either the law or the Constitution. So I I recognize that we may have a court which has more of a uh, conservative bent than it's had over the last few decades but my liberal friends have over many decades gotten very used to the idea of having a liberal court and that's not written in the stars uh, and I know that a lot of people are saying, gosh, we don't want that change. I understand the energy associated with that perspective, but it's also appropriate for a nation, which is, if you will, center right uh, to have a court which reflects uh, center right points of view, which, again, are not changing uh, the, the law from what it states, but instead following the law and following the Constitution.
1: What Mitt says here is correct. Right. Truth is truth, whether it comes from Mitt Romney or anybody else. The libs just believe that there is some sanctified imaginary right to always have a liberal leading Supreme Court that will give them what they want. I know people say, oh, but Buck, what about what about, uh, you know, Bush Gore in 2000? Oh, you mean the court case where the swing vote, right? This is what we're, the swing vote was like, guys, you can't just pick districts that le- that are Democrat majority districts and only recount those and pick out the ones where you think you might be able to harvest more votes and not do recounts in other places in Florida where there have been equal... Like, they they were trying to scam the system, and it was obvious. But on all the major social issues, I mean, most notably abortion, uh, gay marriage as well, um, among others, the court's left lean has been obvious and has been unbroken. But we may enter a, a new era now, and one in which we will see... Whether liberals are willing to abide by the rules that they were pretending were sacrosanct when they were going in their favor. Let's all be very clear about this. Democrats are effectively at this point already telling the American people, if we don't have a Supreme Court that we can count on on the big social issues that are very emotional for us and that drive a lot of the Democrat Party's power, if we don't have a Supreme Court that will do that, we will break down, subvert and destroy the system. They're they're pretty explicit about this. I mean, here's Don Lemon, who is sometimes too dumb to be subtle or to obscure his intent. But he's definitely a big lib. Here's what he's saying over at CNN. Play 10.
2: Everybody sticks. We're going to have to blow up the entire system, and you know what we're going to have to do. No, I don't know. You that. know what we're going. Yes, yeah. we we're gonna have to do. You just got to. Honestly, from what your closing argument is, you're going to have to get rid of the Electoral College because the people. I don't see it. Uh, because the the minority in this country decides who the judges are, and they decide who the president is. Is you that? need a is constitutional that amendment to do that. And if Democrats, if Joe Biden wins. Democrats can stack the courts and they can do that amendment and they can get it passed. Well, you need two thirds vote in the Congress and three quarters of the state legislature. They may be able to do that.
1: Yeah. About as big a waste of time as the convention of the states project to talk about, by the way. But here we are. Here we are. That's what Democrats are, are promising, that they're going to be able to get a constitutional amendment, that they're going to change the whole system. They're going to change the whole system such that it comports with their desires. But we've listened to the system for a very long time. Right. We, we've been obeying. We who are pro-life, we've said, OK, I mean, this is the law, even though it's immoral and wrong. But I, I we're we're, you know, we're not going to break the law, subvert the law. I mean, people aren't going to advocate. The Republican Party doesn't advocate for Um. You know, shutting down with force the way that BLM does, shutting down with force businesses that they don't like, uh, shutting down abortion clinics. The the right has not been doing that. We've said, okay, this is the law. Let's work to change the law. And now we see the little tyrannical side of the Democrats where the law is just an impediment to their desires. They don't care. When the system went against the right, what did the right do? Let's rebuild. Let's uh, let's let's win elections. And and when the time comes and we have the legal right and authority to make certain decisions, we'll make different decisions. The Democrat view is when we have the power, that's what we do. When you have the power, we shut down the system and, and make sure that you can't use it. And people want to talk about good faith and fair play with them. I mean, are are Goldberg and David French, are are they? No, they're just never Trumpers who have boxed themselves in to intellectually ridiculous positions. Now, Now, among many other never Trumpers who have done the same thing, a lot of them are part of this Lincoln Project garbage uh, that now it's always, you know, the conservative case for abortion, the conservative case for undermining everything you believe. This is what never Trumpers have been turned into. It's it's quite sad, actually. It's really rather pathetic. That's where it is. That's what we see happening. They are telling you if they don't get their way, they're going to break things. They're going to disrespect, undermine and alter the system itself. They're going to change the rules of the game. They're not going to try to win the game with fair play. This is the Democrat approach to everything in politics now, but particularly around a judicial nomination like this. This is the same thing as saying, okay. you know, you uh, y- you have a four, You have four quarters to win a football game. We're going to change it. And now it's going to be whoever can get the most field goals in the first two quarters. That's the winner. Well, that's a totally different game. Oh, what are you? Oh, well, that's what they're going to do. Or they're just going to pay off the refs and just openly cheat. Whatever they have to do, they will do. That's what you're seeing, which is why I, I want to tell you right now, this pause where it feels like. Well, uh, Romney is being sane, which is okay. Look, when it happens, I'll say it's a good thing. And and, you know, credit where it's due. Truth is truth. Credit where it's due. Two principles on this show. If Romney casts the right vote here, we're going to say, hey, high five to Mitt Romney for not being a total sellout coward. Good job. Uh, But I don't think we can get there yet. Well, obviously, it won't. It hasn't happened. But I don't want us to become complacent at all. Remember the analogy I use, right? This is a rabid squirrel that we're injecting meth into. No one really knows how this is going to turn out. This is going to be crazy. The Libs aren't going to just quietly allow this process to play out. They're going to go full Alinsky on this. Yeah, they have no parliamentary procedure to play. They, they have no means of stopping this. It would be like trying to stop a presidential pardon. I mean, the president's allowed to pardon who wants to pardon, but they're going to go to that level of what if we take the pen out of his hand? What if we don't allow him to you know, write it down? What if what if we prevent the president from, you know, that's what we're going to see. I believe that they're going to physically block members of Congress from being able to hold a session. I, I think that they're going to do things that right now, if you said out loud, people would call you a, a someone who's being, uh, you know, worrying too much, who's being hyperbolic. No, I think that's what we're going to I don't know what it is yet, but but always leave room for crazy. My friends, I've been saying that to you for many years, always leave room for crazy. And these Democrats are completely nuts and will do anything that they think will be successful to stop this Supreme Court nomination.
0: Thanks for listening to the best of Buck daily podcast. Get more from Buck by following him on social media at Buck Sexton on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And don't forget to visit bucksexton.com.
1: Another rule for life, not just for politics, but for everything you do, never take advice from your enemy about what's best for you. Okay? Don't take advice from people who don't want to see your future uh, go well, who don't want to see you succeed. When they say, hey, you know what you should really do? Listen to that thing and do the other thing. Right. Listen to that thing that they're telling you and then go back to whatever, you know, is a better option and feel even more confident in it. That's how you should feel about people like Nancy Pelosi coming out to tell you. That this is bad politically for Republicans, it's going to be like the twenty eighteen midterms right here. Here she is. Nancy Pelosi. play eight.
2: The people know that, and that's why the Republicans are rushing. They want to get it done so they can overturn the Affordable Care Act. And you know what? They're going to be paying this price for elections to come. Elections to come. Everyone's looking at what makes a difference in these uh, uh, senatorial races. We'll see. But what they don't really understand is they're going to see
1: 2018 again and again and again. it could not be more ironclad. It could not be more clear to any of us who are paying attention to this, that Nancy Pelosi telling Republicans that if they put through this Supreme Court uh, justice, whoever it may be, we don't know yet. I think it's I think it is going to be Amy Coney Barrett, but could be wrong. But Pelosi telling you that this would be bad for Republicans is an, is a 100 percent certainty that Republicans will pay a terrible price if they don't do this, which we already knew anyway. But notice how shameless she is. Oh, yeah, sure. It's going to be so bad for this is just whining. Republicans, you're going to lose forever if you do this thing. I promise. No. The Republican Party would be massacred in the next election if they didn't at least do everything they can. Now, when I say everything they can, I'm, I'm worried that, you know, Democrats are going to go to a whole other place that I, I can't even psychologically really get there yet. I'm like, how? Remember, they were willing to lie about a man who was manifestly innocent of any wrongdoing. They were willing to read into the congressional record as Kamala Harris, the current vice presidential nominee, did. Unsubstantiated, completely outrageous and insane and obviously false gang rape, high school gang rape allegations about now Supreme Court Justice Kavanaugh. If you're willing to do that, you have no morality that will stop you from doing something. It's just a question of are you worried about the punishment for doing certain things, illegal things, for example, open violence to stop this from happening? You know, one of the reasons why Democrats, I think, wouldn't necessarily go the open violence route to keep the seat uh, is because there are enough people who believe in the law, and law and order that they would be punished for that. Because I do worry, I worry there are going to be threats of violence. I'm sure there already are against the very Supreme Court nominees, but that they'll become more intense. Yeah. And Republicans, we do not do a good enough job of protecting our people who fall under this ring of hatred from the left. I mean, all of a sudden, it's like the eye of Sauron pops up and is focused on one person on the right. And we all say, oh, you know, I hope they've got a nice uh, personal security detail or something. We do not do enough. Never happens in the left. When was the last time a prominent Democrat had a mob of morons outside his or her home shouting threats and epithets and insanity over a political issue? We don't do that. They do. Look, not all political parties are created equal, my friends, or are equal. Not all of them are, are similar in their, in their aspirations, their morality, their culture of respect for rule of law, for open discourse, for human and individual freedom. They're not all the same. All right. You know, the, the Bolsheviks winning in the Soviet Union... Was not just something that had to happen, and well, it would have been the same if any, but no, it would not have been the same if some other party had won. It would have been better, almost certainly. I don't see it's possible how it couldn't have been. All right? Uh, you know, and then people, and then look, I don't like the Nazi analogies that Democrats do all the time, but you know, the Nazis were democratically elected. They cheated and threatened people and used coercion, but Nazis were democratically elected in Germany. So it's not like that's it. That's impossible, but. There were clearly much more moral political options in Nazi in Germany before it became Nazi Germany. Uh, I'm just trying to tell you, folks, you know, that that when I say the Democrats have gone insane and their party has really lost its way, I'm not not exaggerating. I'm not saying it for attention. It's true. It's clear. Look at what is normal for them. And it's not normal for us. And anybody can see it. Conservatives sit around saying, "Okay, what are the laws? What really matters how do we protect people? How do we make sure that everyone has, you know, as good and safe and prosperous and happy a life as possible? Democrats, it's this makes me feel upset, and I will ruin your life because of it. That is their ethos, and they will even threaten your life because of it. Now, I mean, I always see these insane libs, the things that they send me. Here's a rule: uh, if you ever, you know, and I know no one who listens to the show would ever do such a thing, but if one ever sends a threat against a person or his family because they don't like that individual's politics. Uh, they're a loser. That person is a loser and somebody who really needs to re-examine all their life choices. It's a rule. Nor, normal, happy, well-adjusted people do not do that. Okay? And, and we should all understand that the Democrat Party has now gone to a place where it's, it's ideologically incoherent you have all these different factions that don't really share any philosophical core other than the pursuit of power, just raw power. We'll band together so that, you know, you can get what you want and I can get what I want within the Democrat Party. That's it. There's no real philosophy other than moral relativism and whatever it takes whenever you need to do it. So it's, uh, it's effectively pushing us toward a thugocracy, especially as they're openly talking about destroying the very institutions that keep this country together they they complained from the beginning of trump's presidency about how he's how he was tearing down institutions he did not tear down any institutions it's not true all right and he did and i would have liked to have seen him go after some things more than he did but he didn't tear down institutions that was a lie but beyond that beyond that they now openly threaten to destroy the very institutions that they pretended to care so much about for the first few years of Trump's presidency. Again, there's just hypocrisy, flip flop. It doesn't matter. They'll say today something that's in direct contradiction to what they said yesterday or last year or 10 years ago and never explain any transformation. They're thinking it's just, well, I want this thing now. You know, Democrats are the equivalent of someone who says, yeah, I don't think it's fair for me to pay rent. Tell the landlord that. I don't want to pay. And then someone who is a renter from them turns around and says, well, I don't want to pay you rent. They say, no, I'm the landlord. You have to give me money. That's what our contract says. Is there a principle there? No, of course not. It's just they want what they want. And that's the plan. That's all that matters. So we should understand that right now. And that's why it's, it's hilarious to me when you hear Chuck Schumer making a, making a, a case, making an appeal to... Honor and decency. Oh, gosh, Chuck. Play nine. In the kind of country we live in, this election and this vacancy mean everything. And by all rights, by every modicum of decency and honor, Leader McConnell and the Republican Senate majority have no right to fill it. No right. In the final few weeks, sensing her failing health, Justice Ginsburg told her family that it was her, quote, most fervent wish that she not be replaced until a new president is installed. First of all, they have every right legally, by precedent, by history, by the system. They have every right. There there is no question about this. They're breaking no law, no regulation, no constitutional norm. So they, in fact, have every right. What he's doing is just gaslighting. But also... And I want to really put this delicately so the libs in the way, way back who are quietly listening to this because they know that I'm smarter than all the libs that they listen to and they want to understand why is this guy so much smarter than all the Democrats that are trying to feed me, you know, crap on their podcast. I don't give a blanking blank about what Ruth Bader Ginsburg told her family in the last. That's for her and her family. It shouldn't even be publicly discussed. It has zero bearing on anything. Do not care. Would say this anywhere to anyone. Do not care at all what she said. I, I don't care if her last words were, you know, I'm actually a space alien from the planet Zargon or my, my fondest constitutional dream is that the next president and not Trump it doesn't matter. It's the same thing. Same thing in terms of it matters to me. Zero. It matters to the law, to the Constitution, to our system. Zero. But they keep repeating this. It's pathetic. It's pathetic, but let's remember who we're dealing with. While it's irrational, while it's not a real argument, it does drive an emotional response. It does go to this cult of RBG that was created over many years and that had, as I've said to you, people who think that they're really hip and cool praising the amazing fierceness of the RBG gym workout, which is just, it was a weird thing. It was, a, it was creepy, cult-like thinking from people. But you're not dealing with uh, normal adults here, my friends. You're dealing with people who now believe that with the passing of Ginsburg, the entire country is at stake, which also goes to show you how much emphasis they put on the Supreme Court as a super legislature and how much they've gotten used to this. And it it really unsettles them. You know, they, they think the foundation of this country is I get what I want. And if I don't, at least I know that at the end of the day, the Supreme Court will give me what I want. And on the on the issue of abortion alone. For how many decades now have people been raised with this? It's constitutional. It's the law of the land, which, of course, it is. Not it is not constitutional. It never was constitutional. It is violence to the Constitution to even pretend that Roe v. Wade was well decided. Honest liberals, honest legal scholars on the liberal side will even say they'll say that they think that abortion should be legal. And here's why. Right. But they'll say that the, the reasoning in Roe is preposterous right to privacy that creates it's this is you can do this with anything but that's the whole point libs want to be able to do whatever they want through the law and pretend that it's the law which in fact undermines the very foundation of our legal system every time they engage in in that practice but imagine what it's like for them to wake up and realize that no you no longer can just just shout people down with it's the law it might be the law in some states not the law in other states You know, there was a period of time on a profound moral question in this country, a profound evil was being done in this country. And there were some states that were legally much closer. They weren't where they, of course, should have been at the time, but they were much closer to being righteous than others. There were the evil pro-slavery states and the states in which a, a black American could live in freedom. Not equal rights, not. And that's what I meant by it wasn't perfect. But, you know, one side was right and one side was wrong on that. And once we get away from the constitutional uh, umbrella decision, I mean, there's this make believe of Roe v. Wade. Now people are going to have to say, OK, at the state level, what should the law really be? It's not just going to be this blanket protection for the practice all nine months of a pregnancy, which is the Democrat standard right now. And it's a super right as well. You can't even block access to a clinic and you get they, they create all these special exceptions and carve outs to protect this this practice. A practice that is morally odious and evil. Slavery was morally odious. It was evil. Abortion is also odious and evil. And the, the whole the whole lib mentality of the last 50 years will get a new look well, all of a sudden it'll have to defend itself. I it can't just say that's the that's the law. Deal with it. That's the law. Deal. with it. We have been dealing with it. We may not have to keep dealing with it. And that's what the liberals really can't accept. Chuck Schumer's claims about decency and honor are laughable. He's a man with neither decency nor honor. So in that sense, he's the perfect spokesperson for the Democrat Party right now.
0: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Best of Buck Daily Podcast the top stories of the day from the Buck Sexton Show.
1: I'm going to clap, play clip one. Back then, we
0: were not aware that 40 to 45 percent of people were asymptomatic nor were we aware that a substantial proportion of people who get infected get infected from people who are without symptoms that makes it overwhelmingly important for everyone to wear a mask so when people say well why did you change your, your stance and why are you emphasizing masks so much now when back then you didn't and in fact you even said you shouldn't because there was a shortage of masks well the data now are very, very clear. And that's why we have to act on the data. So we need to put that nonsense behind us about, well, they keep changing their minds. Masks work. Physical distancing works. Avoiding crowds work. Thank you, Sanjay, for giving me the opportunity to be on television now to say that that is the fact. So people should not worry that that's wrong or worry that that's something that's going to change. This is where we are. And it's based on fact.
1: Okay, where are the studies that show the reduction in transmission from mask wearing? I'm just wondering. I asked that question honestly. Uh, I'm sure there are some. There are probably some studies. I I just why why don't we see them all the time? Why is it that Sweden doesn't have masks required and is now at basically zero, close to zero deaths a day and very, very few infections and has no plans to shut down? The U.K. currently is about to shut down. Wait, I thought that America was in a bad place this summer from covid because we're such a bunch of you know, red state Bible thumping, Trump supporting morons, right? That was what the media was telling us all summer. But now Europe is having its second wave. Oh, wait, maybe, maybe what you do by locking down is delay the spread of the virus in a community to a population of people. You don't stop it. Is, is that is that a theory that that holds water? I mean, someone give us some thought on your own. But Fauci here saying, oh, we didn't realize that there was all this asymptomatic. There was this asymptomatic spread that was going on and we thought there was going to be a mask shortage. How much confidence can I have in this guy's judgment when he really thought that the United States of America was going to run out of bandanas and cloth masks? Anybody? We're going to run out. We can't can't wear a mask because we're going to run out of masks. No, we're not. But. Not even close. Now they're giving out. I go to places; they're giving out masks. Here you go. Here's a mask. Yeah, it's um, the the issue here, as always, has been: is this aerosolized in a way that mask wearing is largely ineffective or largely effective? If it reduces, you know, the transmission of the virus by five percent, it's not worth the hassle. It's just not for a virus that kills point zero zero one percent or point zero three percent or whatever it is now. Of the people who get it. But we're going to be wearing masks forever now, folks. That's the new rule. At least for another year. And as I've been telling you, the Democrat plan is not to finally relent and let America have its uh, have its life back. The Democrat plan is to use our fear, our frustration and the almost unrestricted powers that they now have in order to uh, ram through policies that they want, and to and to change our political culture too into one of obedience. Do it because we say so. Wait, hold on. Don't I have rights? Don't I have liberties? No, you don't. You have what they tell you you have now. Oh, interesting. Um, you know the the Dr. Fauci here is never. This guy's a, This guy's not not honestly a person of judgment. Not a person that I would want to listen to for a personal health need. Like, I wouldn't go to Dr. Fauci and be like, oh, yeah, this guy says that this is my big health problem. I got to tackle it the way that he says. Nope. No faith in this guy whatsoever. But, of course, Trump can't fire him because then that would seem like he's, you know, political. It would just give them a narrative before the election. It doesn't really serve. I think any, I don't I don't think it serves a purpose. It's a political calculation not to fire him at this point. What I'm trying to say. Um, they did change their minds. And the fact that here you have a scientist who is kind of smarmy about the whole mind changing issue, uh, just goes to show you that, you know, they don't want anyone questioning them. They don't want anyone saying, hold on a second. What is this all about? Uh, you know, sure enough. Now, now, now we're at, we're at asymptomatic spread. So everyone has, if asymptomatic spread is what they say it is, they'll have a case then that we'll have to wear masks uh, all the time for years and years to come, because who knows if maybe it's a covid-19 variant now and it could come back and you don't know you could have it. There is only one thing at this point that I want to tell Fauci and the uh, the lockdown chorus. And it's two words. And the second one is you. And the first word is I can't say it on radio. That's what I want to say to them. I'm I'm tired of this. I'm sick of this. They've been wrong all along. And now we're getting into the, the, the politics even of the aerosolized virus. You see this with the CDC. They changed their guidance on this. They said it was a draft. It wasn't yet ready. That's kind of a big thing, isn't it? you the Centers for Disease Control. People have been wondering for a while, like what you really do. And then COVID-19 comes along and oh, OK, now we've got a purpose. And, and you mess up the whole thing from the start. You mess up the testing kits when it was most useful to know how fast and where the virus was spreading. And now you put out that the virus is spread through aerosol as opposed to droplets. And this, this is a pretty uh, this is this is an important distinction. Droplets is spit and things coming out of your mouth and including when you talk or sing or, you know, do things like that. Um, droplets would be actual physical carriage of the virus in in fluid, even, you know, very small. But and the idea here is that, okay, well, a mask will stop those droplets from being in the air. Aerosolized virus, which is what the CDC guidance just was temporarily. And then they took it down. They changed their minds would be. Well, just by speaking, The virus is actually getting into the air in in micro droplets that evaporate. But then you still essentially you have virus clouds in the air around people when they're talking. Right. And viruses are all over our environment all the time. So this shouldn't be a surprise. There's virus. over there's virus right now on your hands, there is virus on your body. There's virus in your mouth, not covid, but although maybe. Uh, But they're you know, these viruses are in our environment, just like bacteria, just like all these other, you know, go back to your basic sixth grade science class. It's all over the place. But the aerosolized virus claim, that was so interesting because, oh, so it's can linger in the air and it's so small that it can stay suspended in the air for a couple of hours. That was what the CDC guidance was now saying. But people that are walking around with the mask down so their nose is a little bit exposed or that have gaps above the mask and below the mask, they're totally protected from this. Right. Um, Because of the magic properties of virus protection, I'll tell you this, the uh, the cloth masks that people are wearing would not work as a as a prophylactic device during amorous moments to prevent you from having children, right? It's porous. But the cloth mask is supposed to protect you from the aerosolized droplets in the air that now the CDC is saying, well, no, that's not really a thing. That's not really a thing. I'm, I'm just putting out there. Do we think it's possible that at a time when we've, ar- we've already heard the CDC told us that they were they were adjusting their, their um, dictates their guidance, they call it. but It's really a dictation. We're supposed to do what they say over mask wearing because they were worried that people would that the healthcare providers would run out. So they lied to us for our own good on that one. Right. They, they've admitted that. But now when we're about to enter the second right when they were supposed to be finding out about a vaccine, we're going to enter a second wave of panic here. This is what they want to do. A no, or really. No, I'm sorry. A third wave of panic about a, a fall winter wave of this virus. And they're shutting down their own guidance that was published, but they said it was a draft and they weren't ready yet. That says that the virus is so small that it stays in the air once an infected person has been breathing there for hours. And you're supposed to believe that a loosely fitted piece of cloth over your mouth and nose is is a a serious means of protecting yourself from that. Okay, don't ask any questions. Don't don't ask any questions. Now, does it protect you at uh, at some level? You know, is it better to have one than I mean, maybe under certain circumstances? Maybe it's five percent, 15 percent more effective than to not have it, because, yeah, maybe some of the particles are big enough that they get. But this idea that mask wearing is is the panacea, which is really what we've been led to believe now. We've gone from don't wear a mask to maybe to sometimes to, oh, my God, masks will cure us all. That's now the new theory. Masks will stop this thing in its tracks. If only you did more and wore more masks. No, not buying it, not buying it. This wasn't the guidance for uh, influenza seasons in the past when people were dying in large numbers, tens of thousands, not quite 200,000, but tens of thousands dying from uh, pandemic disease uh, during influenza season. So... You know, they don't they don't want you to ask any questions. Just do. Just obey. That's the that's the new way forward. They'll tell you.
0: Thanks for listening to the best of Buck daily podcast. For more Buck, head to Buck And remember to subscribe to the podcast. in one liberal justice nominated by a Democrat that had their life ruined. Uh, they're talking about changing the Electoral College. If they keep the House, the Senate and the White House, this country will change fundamentally. The electoral college will be, uh, uh, obliterated. We'll go to a popular vote. D.C. and, uh, the, uh, Puerto Rico will become states. So There'll be 104 senators. Uh, it goes on and on and on. There'll be additional members of the Supreme Court. They'll all be liberal. They're going to take the process, the rules and change them to their benefit. Now that sounds scary,
1: right? Perhaps you could try to comfort yourself by saying, well, it's politics. Things get heated and, you know, it always gets more attention to be a catastrophist. It always will get you more attention. It's a better soundbite to say that everything is going to be destroyed. Everything is going to be ruined. But here's what I got to say in, in defense of Lindsey Graham or, or just in furtherance of what Lindsey Graham is saying here. He's just telling you what the Democrats are telling you. They're they're openly threatening this. They're saying they will do this. And yet when you hear Republicans say it, you think, I mean, come on, they're not really going to do that, are they? Oh, yes, they will. Oh, yes, they will. Friends, they tried a soft coup against the president of the United States based on a lie. Some British bureaucrat loser, ex-MI6 guy, asked a couple of his buddies what they had heard from other buddies about Trump, wrote it up, called it a dossier and then fed it to the FBI and the American anti-Trump news media and tried to engineer a coup against the president. And this went all the way to the special counsel, the entire national news media, with you the know, exception of a one network and a few or whatever. Five percent of the media wasn't on board for this. Everybody else went along with it. That was what they did. They've never apologized. They've never even had any, uh, any sense of shame from it. In fact, their only problem with it is that it did not succeed. And we think that the Democrats are just going to let this process play out as it is. And we think that if they were to win this election, they would not do everything they could to abuse as much power as possible. They will transform the system and it would be a transformation into what they wanted it to be all along anyway. They don't like this bulwark against their tyranny that the Constitution provides. They don't want protections for individual rights and and minority. I don't mean racial necessarily. I just mean minority viewpoint rights. They don't want that. They want the power to tell you what to do. The Democrat Party is a socialist party. They are socialists. Socialists are first and foremost. You always hear about it as, oh, making sure everyone has enough whatever. No, socialism is always about the implementation of a plan. There are a bunch of people who have an idea that's going to make everything better for everyone, but they demand obedience and and no check on their authority to do the thing that they need to do. The plan, whether it's the Green New Deal or any number of these uh, Democrat plots to increase their power and their ability to have a say over everything in your life. You're not allowed to push back. You're not allowed to say, hold on a second. There should be some humility in government processes. Government can do a lot of damage. In fact, it does do a lot of damage to people's lives on a regular basis. We should have some agreement beforehand about what the rules are, what the government can and cannot do. Democrats want to erase all of that. They're telling you they won't erase all that. This is not some theory that I've come up with. I'm not seeing something that nobody else thinks is there. They're open about this. Understand. What the stakes are then in this presidential election year where it's effectively if we don't win, we will burn everything down. We will break the whole system. That's what these riots for months have been about. It's been it's a vent of it's a ventilation. It's a a exposition of rage that has built up among Democrats under four years of Trump. They don't think they can emotionally and psychologically handle four more years. And they're letting us all know, if you think you're allowed to vote for this guy again, think again. We're going to come up with a way to stop you. We're going to come up with a way to break the very process that legitimizes this fascist dictator known as Donald Trump. These people are, simply put, nuts. They have lost it. And they believe that all that they hold dear is on the line right now. They're ratcheting this up. Republicans have for a long time now lived with a court that slaps them in the face with bad decisions. We've never we never say we're going to pack the court. We never say we're going to destroy the whole system because it did not give us a desired outcome. That's not our approach. It is the Democrat approach. There's a difference here. The two sides are not the same. There is. Socialist AOC. Talking about what she views as on the line here, if the Republicans fill this seat, play twenty one.
3: It's extraordinarily important that we understand the stakes of this vacancy. Our reproductive rights are on the line. Our labor rights are on the line. Our right to health care is on the line. Labor and union protections are on the line. Our climate is on the line. With an early appointment, all of our rights, the rights that so many people died for, voting rights, reproductive rights, health care rights, all of those rights go right, go, are, are at risk with this appointment. And so we need to make sure that we mobilize on an unprecedented scale to ensure that this vacancy is reserved for the next president.
1: Mobilize to what end Republic this is do or die for every Republican senator's career. They know that if, if you're a Republican and and you don't I mean you know Murkowski and Collins they're done. people recognize who they are. Um, you know maybe people would say, oh, it's a political calculation the Republicans want them for some things they'll let them on this because they have the votes or right, may, maybe theoretically but the that's only because they have the votes without them trust me if they were if they were two necessary votes in this process no republican would ever want to cast a ballot for either them ever again we understand what the stakes are she is telling you aoc here is telling you that they're going to do an unprecedented mobilization what's the point what's the point of that mobilization we know what they think we know what they want They're not going to change our minds. It's not going to happen. But there's a. I believe. An implied menace to all of this. The Democrat Party has been mobilized for months. We see it on the streets. Demanding people bend the knee, literally bend the knee. Demanding people profess their allegiance to a Marxist, racially divisive movement known as Black Lives Matter. Demanding that people stop in their cars and quake in fear or else. Burning down businesses. Setting fire to government buildings. Attacking police officers. Shooting lasers in their eyes. Throwing bottles full of urine and feces at them. That's what the Democrats have done for mobilization. You know, they could have had peaceful marches across the board where they invited Republicans to come down and talk to them. They wanted to convert people. They wanted independents to understand that Democrats would provide better governance, better quality health care, more fair. No. No, instead, you've got a bunch of maniacs who justify political violence and who think that if you don't believe there are 37 genders, you're an evil anti-science bigot. That's the Democrat Party today. And then let's just look at a couple of the Areas, a couple of the issues that AOC outlines for being under assault here are reproductive rights. I know we often don't put it in these terms, but given what Democrats are willing to justify as part of the abortion industry. What do you think they're really not willing to do to their fellow human beings? I I, said it's a harsh question, but I think it's an important one. Ask a Democrat politician: Should you be able to abort a baby at eight, nine months, uh, eight, nine months in the womb? And they will say yes. I mean, they might try to dodge the question, there's that, but ultimately they will say yes. If they're willing to do that, do you think that they have some guiding moral compass on other issues that's all of a sudden humane and decent? No, I'm I'm afraid that they're. Their moral compass, I'm afraid that their very souls themselves become corrupted in this process. And when somebody who has been a party to evil ideas for a long time is challenged on them and might have to face the reality of the widespread recognition of the moral deficiencies of those ideas, they become desperate. Nobody wants to think they're the bad guy or the bad girl. Nobody wants to think that. Sometimes The mirror shows you things you don't want to see. Climate is on the line, they believe. And I'm not exaggerating this. I'm not uh, going beyond the most mainstream rhetoric from the most powerful Democrats in the country. They believe that climate is an existential crisis that threatens the entirety of the human race. Our species will go extinct unless you listen to people like Gavin Newsom and take shorter showers and use renewable energy that is hyper expensive and very inconvenient right now. That's mainstream Democrat thinking. They really believe this. I still can't get a great deal on beachfront property in Palm Beach, despite the science. But you're supposed to believe this, friends. You're supposed to believe 20 years, 30 years. It's all going to be underwater. OK, sell me those beach. Sell me the Obama mansion and Martha's Vineyard for, you know, couple of hundred grand. I'll pay a couple of hundred grand. I could probably take out a bank loan and afford that. I think he paid 11 million for his house. But I thought it's all going to be underwater. But they believe, they've convinced themselves, it is an existential issue for the human race. What would you be willing to do to save the human race? What would you be willing to do to protect the legacy and future of your party from... The recognition of its deep moral stain with the abortion practice of the last 40 some odd years. What would you be willing to do? I can't tell you I know what their plan is, but we're about to find out. This is the calm before the storm, and it's not even that calm because we're in an election cycle. But we've got a few days here while all that's happening is there's, there's silence as the enemy so to speak, is preparing its artillery shells and getting all of its magazines in order for an all out assault. That's where the Democrats are right now. Will it be successful? I don't know. I certainly hope we'll be able to hold the line. But they're not going to go quietly on this, friends. They have no real legal recourse. They have no mechanism within our system to stop this. So you're effectively guaranteed they will go outside the system or break the system. That's it. There is no they sit back respectfully and allow the game to be played by the pre-established and agreed upon rules. That is not an option for these Democrats. Do not be fooled.